1600kbabq.fmrockoftalk.com I'm here with well the good guys Jim and Eric talking about well the spirits of New Mexico and this week we've got our Rieslings uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, Jim and Eric uh, right here live in studio this evening to round out the week uh, gentlemen how are you we are great doing great give me Riesling to live absolutely that's hilarious yeah funniest thing I've heard all day <laughs> And uh, and I I, I, <laughs> I noticed that uh, you know I, I was out with a nasty head cold I guess we could call it for a while, and uh, it's, you probably still hear it in my voice. But so uh, I, I I remember the first time that this happened, and he said, "Oh, this is great! Yeah, your voice is nice and deep now. It's a great radio voice." I said, <laughs> "Okay, fine. Let's see if I can actually smell and taste the wines along with it." And of course we can because these are Rieslings. So thank heavens for that. So this. This uh, particular chapter of our get-together, I'm calling Riesling the Misunderstood Grape. And for a lot of people, it still is. Uh, interestingly, I was probably in the same camp for a while. Um, I picked up this book, The Riesling Rules, first edition. Uh, I don't think I can make any money out of it, but it's nice that it's the first edition by Pacific Rim. And uh, the, they actually were a winery of, of the year in Washington State. So they, these guys know Riesling. They, that is their passion. Uh, they said at Pacific Rim, we're Riesling zealots. Why? Because Riesling is the most versatile, complex, and diverse of all noble grapes. That's quite a statement. Yet Riesling is still largely under misunderstood. Thus, our inspiration for Riesling rules. And it is a wonderful little book. If you can still get a, get a copy, you absolutely should. In in the the few pages they put in there, you is chock full of all the information you need about this wonderful grape. Yeah, did you have to buy that, or did that looks that looks like it came in a case or something? I, I don't I forget how I acquired it, uh-huh. but it's, it, the copyright was two thousand seven. So uh, obviously they're still out there and they're still making them, and it's quite wonderful. And so at at the time I had uh you know a lot of the wines I had were. Um, until we actually were in Germany and I was trying the wines there, then it was like, oh, wow, that was a whole different experience. But before then, it was uh, the, what you normally got was Liebfraumilch, oh, okay. unfortunately, which was really not a very good uh, ambassador for the wines of Germany. Hmm. But it was plentiful and everyone uh, got some and they always said, well, you know, German wines are always really sweet and sickly and like that. Well, actually, a Riesling can be from bone dry, and I mean so dry that when you take a sip, your tongue shrivels in your mouth to incredibly sweet, uh, almost unctuous, but except for the wonderful acidity that they can always get for it. So you have all the, the variety of wines you can make from this grape is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, a number of people, I could almost be in this camp myself, is it's the greatest white wine grape. Uh, Jancis Robinson, one of our, our best wine critics, that definitely would, would be what she says. So... Listen up, if you're not familiar with Rieslings or you've avoided them, boy, are you missing out on some really great stuff. So obviously, they, as I said, that they can range in sweetness all the way from very 
very dry to very sweet. And they, and they can work for dessert wines. They can work for wines that work with all different kind of cuisine. They almost always have really good acidity, which is one of the factors that really makes makes them work. And, uh, and of course, the alcohol level can vary about maybe 7 to 8 to 9% in some of the leaner years in Germany up to 13, 13 and a half, which is usually about the, the, the sweet spot you want. Both of our wines are 13%, and I will mention them so that we aren't keeping you chomping at a bit less. Okay, what are the wines? What are the wines? Uh, so the first one is a Gerd Anselman Riesling Trocken, okay? Right there on the label, T-R-O-C-K-E-N. Trocken, it means it's dry. They're letting you know that that is the case. Now, one of the reasons that a lot of the German manufacturers were doing this was Everyone was thinking their stuff was sweet, and it says, hey, hey, no, no, you got to try this. It's dry. It's really dry. Honest, it says it on the label. If it doesn't say it on the front, it may say it on the back. They'll have, like, a sweetness scale so that you can get an idea of exactly what you're going to experience because it's a whole variety out there. It's not like Chardonnay that you normally expect a, a, a minimal range. With a Riesling, it can be a whole wide range, which is part of what's its attraction. This one also comes from the Falls region, uh, P-F-A-L-Z. And it is a 2020, uh, 13% alcohol. So, uh, again, I mentioned the lower alcohol level. Well, that's true in other areas except the Falls region, which is right next to the Alsace region in France. And, in, in fact, that's, it's, it, they're very similar in that, in, in that intent because they, they both are, you know, more higher alcohol, and, and they usually tend to do more drier ones. In fact, the, uh, where, where this comes from, the Falls area is also really well known for their Pinot Noir, so they do make elegant red wine as, as well. So this is a great area, and uh, I like this wine a lot. Boy, it's the first sip, you, the first smell, actually, that, that you get. You, you get the aromatics right away. That's one of the wonderful things about recent grape is the aromatics that you can get on it. And then as soon as you, you got that, you, you uh, try to taste, and it just... It lingers on the tongue. You don't want to almost swallow. It just feels so, so, so good. It's got good density, good structure, wonderful wine. Uh, loved it a lot. Sweet, but not too sweet. Not yeah, overly sweet. And it's a perception of sweetness. Uh-huh. It, it actually is, is dry. Uh-huh. Uh, they wouldn't say trucking unless it was. But the, the, the perception is still going to be somewhat sweetness, but that's the grape that provides that. It's just like a muscat grape. You could have a muscat grape that was bone dry. You would still say, well, this is really sweet. So it's a perception of the sweetness that we get. And it's also at 13% means that it, with the higher alcohol, you also have a perception of sweetness as, uh-huh. as well. So those are all factors that go into it. And then the other one is the 2019 Riesling from Two Mountain. This is another fascinating one. This is from Washington State, and it is actually from the Rattlesnake Hills area, okay, uh, which is a fascinating area. Uh, all the way down in the in the southern part of the state. So this is an area that boundary they actually share with Oregon, and uh, so that that whole area is is well known for making great wines, almost every type. Riesling is classic. Uh, Washington State Riesling is one of the great wines of the world. Period. End of story. So uh, this was four generations of farming heritage. The brothers Ron uh, bring their estate grown goodness from Washington. Beautiful. Yakima Valley. Okay, so this is where Rattlesnake Hills is, is Yakima Valley. It's a great sound. Doesn't that sound like you would want to have something from there? It sounds like it wants to be from Arizona. Yeah. Arizona? No. 
No, not anyways. And of course, they always have the very tall, graceful bottles. Uh, that's one of the characteristics that almost always goes with Riesling. From this, uh, so very seldom you will see one that's that's in this any other kind of bottle except a tall one. Otherwise, we wouldn't recognize it's actually a Riesling, of course. And uh, so this one is also really wonderful. It's got uh, it's the, the the nose is really incredible. It's got hay and and other ephemeral elements going on. It's got a little bit of uh, of a, a sweet petrol, I would say. People get freaked out when you say, oh, there's petrol in the nose. <laughs> what? This is, what do you mean? Is this gasoline? Is it? No, 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 no. It's just, it's the perception that you get from it. And, but the, the thing is, it's a, it's a very delicate kind of petrol that actually lingers on the nose and, and it just entices you drink this wine. So this one is also excellent. Also 13%. Uh, so these are two really nicely balanced wines. Uh, either of those on your table will go with a lot of cuisine. I mean, a lot of quick cuisine. Uh, I was, uh, I, had, I had to pick up my car so I couldn't get the sushi I was planning that we could have with this. But then, of course, we would have been eating the sushi and in between mouthfuls we'll be talking to you. And that might have been a, not inappropriate, too. So just as well, we're just doing what instead we're doing, of course, a nice, fine Irish cheese. Of course, because after all, I'm partly Irish, and and uh, and my latest book, The Burn Weeps, of course, is set in Ireland. So this is a Somerdale Clada uh, Cheddar. Clada, I actually have a Clada ring, but believe it or not, which is uh, which is a it's a friendship thing. You have hands and heart. It's a very special symbol in Ireland, uh, and uh, so I, I thought I would grab some of this from the the. Uh, local smith store actually excellent and it's yeah it's we've been going through this cheddar really fast actually almost as fast as we've been going through the wine right. so anyway uh so just kind of give you some basics now uh, uh, uh this is just a snapshot of the riesling okay uh, obviously one of the noble grapes uh it's grown worldwide and 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 there are many iterations of it that that are all wonderfully done germany 60, 45%, okay, it is still the major producer of this particular wonderful grape. This is where it orig, the origin, of course. You have the, the Rheingau, the, the Mosel, uh, and the PFALZ, the Falls region, and the Rheinhessen. The Rheinhessen is actually the left bank further on down. So the Rheingau, right bank, uh, Rheinhessen, left bank, uh, sort of identifying the side of the Rhone, but these are two different areas, two two distinctly different areas. So when they say it's not just the the uh, the, the side of the river you're looking at, but it's also where it's physically located. Okay, so that's that area. United States, 12 uh, percent. Washington, California, and New York are where you're mostly going to get the great examples of those. Um, and uh, again, the Finger Links region of um, New York is one of those classic areas, and also the Long Island area. That is one word. And uh, so th these are all the key areas where you just get wonderful versions of them. Australia, I'd already mentioned before when we talked about Australia that they do great stuff, 10%. Clare Valley, Adelaide Hills. Uh, and again, it's the it's hillier lo locations in the southern Australia where you have uh, the, the growing, the, the colder climate is more beneficial. In France, is an excellent nine percent, and that's almost all in the the Alsace region. Uh, that would have been the third one we would have tried, but uh, <laughs> we'll just stick with the two we have. I think we're 
uh, we have plenty to work with. And, uh, so, and, and of course, the Alsace region is, is right across the river, literally the river from the, uh, the, the Falls area of Germany. So they're very similar characteristics in, in quality in the, their wines. Then you have Moldova, uh, Hungary, and the Czech Republic. The uh, flavor profile can be lime, green apples, beeswax, jasmine, and petroleum. And that's just a wide snapshot. Uh, what we're talking about is going to be more specific. Serving temperatures, 45 to 55 degrees. Okay, you, you like it really cool. Uh, it just reveals a lot of its wonders that way uh, without us being overstated. Uh, you can sell over these for five to 10 years. A lot of these wines will last up to 20 years. This is because they are great, noble grapes. Uh, if they're well-made, and most of them are really well-made because people who do, do this grape love this grape, and they have a passion for it. Uh, characteristic by region, uh, according to Wine Folly, Germany high in acidity, off-dry, aromatic with apricot, Meyer lemon, beeswax, petroleum, and wet slate. And I do get a l- little bit of the wet slate on the the uh, Enselman, but not pronounced the way I have with some of the ones out there. And uh, I'm getting lemon, but not Meyer lemon. It's more of uh, lemon curd. Actually, I, I found Meyer lemon when we actually had some uh, Meyer lemon. Uh, you know, we was talking about it as a definite. And then I had one. I said, wow, it's uh, actually... It's a little aggressive lemon, uh, uh-huh. Meyer versus some others I've had. So I don't really consider that as wonderful a thing as some people might. But anyway, that's just me. Uh, the Alsace region, Lynn Minerali, uh, dry with green apple, lime, lemon, smoke, and Thai basil. Oh, boy. Thai basil. Thinking about having a, some wonderful Thai uh, restaurant stuff. If you have a Thai restaurant that doesn't have Riesling on the list, Call me. I'll straighten them out that you shouldn't be doing that without having Riesling. Um, <laughs> just, just saying. And, of course, the South Australia. Uh, dry, minerally, citrus with lime, peel, green apple, green papaya, jasmine, diesel. I found less of the um, Australian Riesling um, around, around here than I would like, really, because I, I really like them. But they're, they're not as easily obtainable for some reason around here. But hopefully that will change. Okay, so that kind of gives you uh, some basic information. Now we're going to go to Washington State um, and talk about a little bit about the Washington State area. So we've we've covered a lot of the different wines here uh, because it's a, it's a great area. But Riesling, of course, is one that is really classic here. It is so classic that uh, Dr. Lucen, one of the preeminent uh, Riesling guys in Germany selected uh, Chateau Zamachel as, as a partner of, of producing wonderful Riesling wine. So the guy knows what he's talking about when he knows what you can do in, in uh, Washington State. And you've got the whole Columbia Valley and the Yakima Valley right below it. Again, the Yakima Valley is, was uh, defined a year before the Columbia Valley. They're subsumed together, but in fact, I, I consider them separately. Because, you know, the, this is the lowest part of what would be the Columbia Valley when we talk about the Yakima Valley. And, of course, this is right on the border it serves with, with um, Oregon. So you have the major river coming through there. So big, big area. Anyway, they, um, they were planting wine up in, in Washington State, believe it or not, back in 1825. Uh, that was the Hudson Bay Company, which you probably have heard of. Right. 
so well, they didn't, didn't just do fur. And uh, so by 1910, they were growing in many parts of the state and starting learning about it. Uh, like every place else, Prohibition kind of put the stoppers on that. Uh, dumb idea. And uh, But at the end of it, they, they, they started founding some uh, first in Puget Sound. Uh, that was like 1938. Puget Sound is a fascinating area if you've never been, been there. It's a whole series of islands uh, interconnected with bridges and ferries. It's just an amazing area, but a very cool area. So you really are only going to do wine grapes there if you want anything else besides that. And again, the Muscadet is, is, a, is a wine that is really shows up very nicely there. But for anything that's red, you're going to have to go to the Columbia Valley. Mm-hmm. Okay, so biggest boost probably to the quality for the planting grapes because the quality is one of the things that happens. Uh, you, you start with just growing grapes because you have a passion for and you want to make some money out of it. <laughs> you fool you. Uh, <laughs> and because, like I say, if you want to make a, a million dollars uh, with, with a winery, start with 10 million. So it's not an easy business, but if you have the passion for it, God bless you. I'm all for you. And uh, anyway, so the, the biggest uh, boost probably came when Andre Chelichev came there. Uh, that's T-C-H-E-L-I-S-T-C-H-E-F-F. Two F's at the end. Aren't you glad I actually pronounced that one for you? Chelichev. Uh, but he was the first master of wine in California. Big oh. influence all the way through California, Oregon, and Washington State legendary by now right oh he is definitely legendary this yeah absolutely um and anyway so he helped guide chateau saint michel early efforts uh they became the first modern winery and they are the biggest one there by far really big and boy you just can't get better value uh wines than you get from from there they just do that they're 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 cheap dry riesling that they have that I'll, i'll embarrass to say i get a lot of because it's inexpensive it's just, it's just dynamite, really good. So, great stuff. Uh, Washington State Riesling, uh, this, is, this is a state grape that they do as well as anyone in the world. And, of course, a, a lot of these grapes came were originally imported from Germany. In fact, a number of German immigrants would have come in there. Very uh, aromatic variety, displaying flowery, almost perfumed aromas, a high acidity, because that's a classic of, of this and again the acidity is really good for a wine that's going to hold up for a while just in c- case you weren't sure about that um so it's been we're producing world-class racing for a long time the um it's currently the number four grape trailing cabernet sauvignon merlot and chardonnay total tonnage about forty thousand tons in 2016 uh so but it's been doubling every 10 years uh, everyone is now cleaned in into the fact that Washington State makes dynamite Riesling, and so there's a lot of demand out there, and they keep cranking it up, which is good. Um, so the the Washington State regions already mentioned Columbia Valley and and uh, Puget. Yeah, the Puget it's is the only other area they have other than Columbia Valley with Yakima, as I said, and it's um it's a boy they get a lot of rain there. Uh, I, I saw some glasses there, and it was just like, holy cow, when are you going to see the sun? Do you, do you guys ever see the sun? You just take pictures of the sun? How do you ever deal with this, you know? Uh, and one of the ways they deal with it is drinking a lot of wine, uh, which is probably a reasonable thing to do. Anyway, 
the uh, Columbia Valley is about 50,000, over 50,000 acres. 99% of the state's wine comes from here. So, obviously, Napa Valley is about 45,000 acres. To give you a perspective, it's right around 60,000 acres now. Very substantial. 14 AVAs, including the Walla Walla Valley, Horse Heaven Hills, Red Mountain, Rattlesnake Hills. Well, Rattlesnake Hills is where our second wine comes from. So, there you go. So this is the Yakima Valley ABA. It was established in 1983, a year before the uh, Columbia Valley. It's the oldest AVA predating Columbia Valley, and uh, it is it is often treated separately because it is so different, diverse. And the area that we that we're looking at here, we're looking at the Rattlesnake Hills, and down at the lower end of the area, right above Granger, is a little called, area called Zilla. And that is exactly where this particular second wine comes from, the Two Mountain. So it's um, Two Mountain Winery. Uh, this is a tech sheet from it. I love tech sheets, obviously. It just gives me a lot of really good information on these. They identify specifically as 12.9, but whatever, 100% stainless, under 1,000 cases. So this is not a big producer. The uh, vineyard is the Copeland Vineyard. It is certified green. As a, a, a lot of, of uh, that is the state is like that. There are our name two mountain wineries inspired by the majestic views of Mount Adams and Mount Rainier, which serve as the backdrop of Copeland Vineyard. It's a simple moniker that reflects our minimalistic approach to growing and making wine with a proud nod to the incredible valley in which we farm. And it is, uh, yeah, it's a little off, off dry exudes uh, hints of hay green pear, wildflowers, and dust. I don't get the dust on the nose, but that's just me. Uh, and uh, combined with the, the the incredible taste of ripe citrus, green apple, and a hint of minerality. Wine will last forever on your tongue. It does. It just stays there, and you just almost don't want to swallow. It just tastes so good. This this is a wine that will go with so much food. Um, I was a little hesitant about whether I was going to bring a, a cheddar, to go with Riesling, but it's an Irish cheddar, so of course, uh, you know that that yeah. was one of my reasons. But yeah, I'm glad it, you did. It goes really nicely with it. So yeah, it's uh, an incredible wine. So that this is uh, this is that total wine, and it is 11.99. I believe that's right. Let me double check that. Make sure I didn't lie to you here. Uh, no, it's 18.99. Okay, 19 dollars. Uh, that's, that's a really good price right. for a quality one like this. And it has, uh, has been rated up to about 92, I think. I'm not sure where, but that's, I'm rating at about 91 at least. So they're, they're, um, the, the Copeland Vineyard is in Rattlesnake Hills, and it's elevation of 1265 feet. Uh, acreage about 26.2 acres. Uh, slope and aspect, 8 to 15% south-facing. So basically it gives you an idea of uh, where this particular wine comes from. So, uh, again, good sun exposure um, that uh, provides a really nice ripe fruit. And and uh, 13 is right about the sweet spot, I think, for a, a Riesling. And remember, you're also getting some of the uh, body from the, the alcohol level as as well. So this, has got, this is a very substantial wine. It is, so it's my favorite of the two for sure. Okay, so what makes it the favorite for you? I like I just like the sweetness, the sweetness, and it's uh, it seems it's just got more, it's got more different flavors in it. I, 
I like the fruitiness of it. It's a little sweet. Jesus. And like you said, it kind of lingers on the on the palate a little bit longer than the other one, in a good way. Yeah, it it, it definitely is. Makes me makes me want more. It's got a it's it's got a definitely got a bigger nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it's uh, you know the 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 the, the is is a little subtler. Yeah, really, it, it's there, but you have to pick it out. Uh-huh. This this one here, uh, that that uh, bouquet is right there. It's quite expressive. And uh, really expressive. Yeah, so this would be uh, this would be my choice for a dessert of these two. Well, I guess you could make the dessert out of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely got a little bit more um, acidity too going on, which just surprised me. But uh, it does have a little bit more acidity, so it's a little bit livelier wine, I think. Of, of the two yeah I, I think i would tend to agree if i was going to do uh choose between these two i would choose that they're both the same price so mm-hmm. both that total wine and uh so you can make up your own mind on that the the and is a little bit softer and a little bit more delicate and uh it depends on on what you really like i think you, you wouldn't go wrong with either of them let's right. put it that way for sure yeah so german wines uh so obviously um, Riesling is obviously one of the first uh, white wine grapes you think of, probably. Gerstermina would be number two uh, for mo- most people. And, uh, again, a lot of people like the spiciness of the Gerstermina. Uh, and it tends to be a little bit sweeter. Uh, but, again, that depends on the area. Uh, so, as, as I said, the, the uh, different grapes and where they grow and, and how they do them are, are going to be a marked uh, imprint on the actual wine itself so the uh, Riesling of course is is the still their number one grape grown primarily in, the, in southern Germany uh, both along the Rhine and the Mosul in fact I had a clean state Mosul also I think the same price from uh, total wine that I had uh, over a, a couple of days before this and I was really impressed with that one too I think you would like that one also All right yeah. really flavorful uh, another good area the Müller Thurgau is is the, is the next one, and that's becoming a more popular grape in a lot of other areas, and uh, it also grown most of the same places. Pinot Noir, uh, I, th- I think I mentioned that the the you know, the uh, the Funz, uh, the 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 Falls area, and also the uh, area above Stuttgart and the Württemberg area are all areas where. Primo for Pinot Noir. Again, very different style than you would get in in uh, Burgundy, for example, but a really intriguing. And, of course, the Alsace also is really big on this grape. Uh, Dornfelder would be the next one. Uh, that's another uh, red wine grape. Uh, grown some places, some of the same places where Pinot Noir is. And Sylvaner, Pinot Gris, and Pinot Blanc uh, round out the top grapes you expect to get there. Okay, so obviously pr- predominantly a lot of white wine grapes, except in the southern areas. So there's uh, 13 defined areas in Germany. The, uh, the the ones that most people are familiar with, of course, are the Rheingau, the Rhein-Hessen, and the Falls region. And in fact, I actually had a chance to do some wine tasting. Uh, we did first on the on the Mosul, um, and uh, from there we also 
uh, and we actually spent a night there with the moon glinting over over the river. That was that was spectacular. Gorgeous. We had a, a wonderful d- d- late dinner there, and I almost created an inc- uh, international incident when I asked for uh, that they were going to hold and, and make a sauce for us for the the fruit dessert. And Barbara, my wife, asked for one. I asked for the other. <laughs> woman became unglued. Oh boy. Fortunately, uh, my wife uh, speaks uh, German a little bit, so she was able to calm her down. She says, oh, yeah, we'll both take whatever one you're going to heat up. No problem right. whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got out of that one. But uh, so we had a delightful time. Uh, absolutely, it is a very special place. Uh, so the um, Baden area and the... Worst tomato are parts of the halls. They also focus on red wine. Uh, the you got the Rheingau, the Rheinhessen, the Na, N A H E, and the Mosel Valley produce the the most Riesling. And uh, anyway, that's most of the areas that you're gonna encounter. And of course, one of the big challenges that everyone has when they look at a, a German wine is the label. Oh boy, uh, there's there's a lot of challenges here because of the way. Germans rate their wines, which are so different than most other areas you might be familiar with. So this all sometimes, unfortunately, will um, basically, uh, you know, uh, intimidate someone and go like, oh, I, I can't even pronounce that word. I don't think I want to drink it. Uh, so there's always that you got to worry about. Uh, this one is, is not bad. It's uh, right at the top, Gern Anselman. We know where it came from. The falls of the region it comes from. 2020 Riesling, dry white wine. And again, on the front, they also say trocken, which is one of the words they have for dry. So again, they classify it by the sweetness levels and the alcohol level. So some some things a little different than you've been used to probably. So they define different quality levels, sweetness levels, uh, and select or reserve requirements. So again, there's a lot of confusing terms. A lot of times they can catenate words together. it's just one of the things that Germans do that is that uh, is, is challenging for anyone. Is like, how can we have a, a word this really long? Well, it's actually four words combined together. Right. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, whatever. So the Qualit Latzbein is wine made the proved grape source from one of the 13 regions. Chaptalization uh, is, is permitted. That's where you add sugar because you don't have enough sunlight to, to get fully ripe grapes. Mm. Uh, most of the ones you're going to encounter, though, are going to be the Pratikatsvine and Pratikatsvine. Uh, so these are identified by ripeness level, minimum alcohol levels. Uh, Chaptalization is not allowed. Uh, again, so you have to be able to just grow the grape to its normal state. That's what they expect. Uh, so you start with a Cabernet. This is the lightest style of Riesling. can be dry or off-dry. Uh, the Spatlesa is a late harvest, so rich, usually sweeter than, than the Cabernet, unless the term Trocken is on the label as well. And then you have Aslesa, select harvest, uh, grapes hand-selected and have noble rot. So what we're talking about here is, is basically it has the botrytis uh, fungus on the outside of this, the skins, which basically extracts some of the moisture from the grape making it more raisiny and more intensely flavored. So you can make really hmm. head knocker, great sweet wines from those. Um, so, and then you have uh, beer in Oslesa. This is where it's very select harvest, rare, uh, 
resonated with noble rot. These are are the one of the highest classifications you can get, and they are very expensive. And finally, my favorite TBA truck and beer in Oslesa. Okay, yeah, you say that to something like, did you swear to me? <laughs> what you call was, me? Yeah, what you just <laughs> call me? <laughs> so this is dry berry select harvest, the rarest wine made with resonated grapes dried out on the vine, and this sometimes but we abbreviate it as TBA. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, if you have never had one of these, they are they are just unbelievable. And then finally, ice vine, which is the ice wine, frozen on the ground and and then pressed. So they basically have special gloves that the growers have to uh, the, the the pickers have to wear. The gloves are to protect the grapes, not the pickers' hands. And they let them freeze, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, freeze on the vine. And it's it's cold enough there. That's not a not a problem. Mm. So. Ice vines are wonderful. Of course, the, you also get some very good ones in uh, Canada. And they are not cheap, uh, as you can well imagine, just because the amount of, of uh, juice you're going to get from every one of those and they hand-select every grape. It, you expect to pay a lot of money for the luxury of having these luscious, incredible wines. So That's it, just the way it is. So it probably wouldn't work if they froze it more than one night, huh? It's probably just the first freeze of the fall and... That's it, that, right? That's a, it's it a good question. I, I don't know exactly when they, how long they they figure it should be on the vine before they actually do that. Mm. So, yeah, they might because the whole the pulp might be destroyed after the first freezing, wouldn't wouldn't you think? Could be. Not necessarily, maybe. But well, yeah, it's 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 a it's a, it's a good question as as to as to when they would they would do that. I would not think they would leave it very long on uh-huh. there, uh, most definitely, and. Uh, and, and it may just be that every grape's going to be different, too. So, you know, select grape by grape. Yeah, but as sauternes are, are like that. They, mm-hmm. they, they select it grape by grape. So uh, you end up with fabulous wines, but you pay for it as well. Okay, so the Falls Wine Region. Uh, so this is uh, one of the Germany's largest uh, wine regions, uh, definitely for red wine. They produce about a third of every bottle of German wine purchased uh, domestically. Uh, and, and the word itself is derived from a Latin word, uh, palatium, meaning palace. So the English equivalent palatinate is sometimes used to refer to this uh, falls region. So I, I like that. It's a palace. Yeah. That this was, is a palace for wine. Yeah, that was coming up on my, uh, on my Google map here, and I was, but now you explained it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, I'm just trying wow. to sip here. Wow. That so it's a very strip of land, about nine miles, fifteen kilometers wide. Extends uh, through a gentle landscape of budding vineyards, fertile orchards, and picturesque half-timbered villages. Doesn't that sound enticing? Second largest wine region, I think I mentioned. Um, and, uh, and of course it also borders the area that is the Alsace, which is on the French side. So it, uh, stretches to the French border 53 miles, uh, and, and borders the French wine region of the Alsace. It's, uh, the, the nearest French city is, uh, Weissenberg, and some vineyards even reach across the border into France. It's actually, it, the thing is, when you look at the Alsace region, you'll see very similar characteristics of not just the grapes grown and, and the way they make the wine, but the kind of homes and the languages. So you're, you're going to see a, a lot of the German language mixed in there. 
again, the last time the Germans owned it was during the Second World War. Uh, but as, in a previous time, in the previous century, they also did. So it's always shared heritage between Germany and France, mm-hmm. kind of an, an interesting amalgam. And both of these areas, the Falls region and, and the Alsace, are primo areas for great Riesling. So uh, we love that a lot. So the um, this particular one is, um, let me see, where, where was I? Oh, okay. Reading on, on, yeah, they had did have. Uh, this is interesting. It's uh, bordered by the lowlands of the Rhine River, beautiful idyllic landscape that reaches a ratio of grapevines to people of six hundred to one. Wow, oh, six. That's a, that's a ratio they could live with, huh? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I like that. A lot, a lot more vines, more and vines lot less than people. people. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And of course, they had their problems with the flocks of. Uh, scourge like everywhere else but uh they it's a almost perfect condition for viticulture one of the warm, warmest uh, german regions about 1800 hours of sunshine per year summer is dry but not too hot and winters tend to be mild creating near mediterranean microclimates mm. so this uh, the soil is varied ranges from sandstone limestone marl lows loam and granite lows is is Part of what you have as a result of the glacier uh, effect and uh, limestone is particularly common in the northern falls uh, region so you end up with a lot of that influence on the wines and we certainly got it with this one uh, it's very luscious tasty wine uh, so this is the gerd anselman riesling trocken uh, falls 2020 13 percent abv uh, again 1899 uh, both the wines are 18.99 total wine. Good choice of, of wines there. In fact, I was really happy to to find a number of different signature rieslings that I could try for the show. So, it's one of the reasons I go there, obviously. And it, this is a huge winery, by the way. Oh my goodness, it is. Uh, the the uh, you, you should definitely check out the website. You'll be very impressed with all the ty- types of wine they they make. So they offer hundreds of wines, reds, whites, rosés, sparkling. Yes, the whole gamut. They do everything. And they even have is a beautiful restaurant on premise, Runa Terrasse, uh, which sounds like, a, you know, it's got the, it's, it's got the, the, uh, the uh, wheel turning in, in the river mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It, it looks like a, it would be a great area to, to have something dinner. So the tasting notes, uh, one with a light yellow-green color, Typical of Riesling, bouquet is reminiscent of lemons, apricots, and apples. Uh, this fresh, finesse, rich bouquet is typical of Riesling, a dry wine with very in, refreshing and invigorating in the mouth. Also noteworthy is the long, fresh finish that lingers on the palate for a long time. It does. It's like, wow. So I got, yeah, very aromatic, white flowers, acacia, under those, lemon curd, apricot, big finish. Oh boy, it's got a big finish. I mean, it just keeps going and going. Very, very impressive wine. Both of them are very impressive wines. Actually, I did have wine in the movie on here. Huh. Oh, well, what the heck? We, we must well cover a little bit on wine in the movies. Have we got time? Yeah, is it about time for the movies? It, well, yeah. And we, we can go to the Alsace region after that if we All want. All right. But, uh, you know, and uh, again, I'm obviously also a wine nut. I've uh, written a couple of screenplays, so. I'm really into 
into uh, both movies and wine, and I love being able to select a, a movie to have with my wine, or vice versa, depending on what frame of mind I am. So the first one we have here is 10 Things I Hate About You. Isn't that really just like a, a kind of intimidating thing to like, really, do I want to really watch this? Anyway, that was obviously uh, a comedy. Uh, 1999, PG-13, uh, directed by Gil Younger with Heath Ledger, the late, great Heath Ledger. Mm. Julia Childs, set in Tacoma, Washington, and based on the tra- Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, I don't, did, I know did, did you ever see the Burton version of that? The, the, the uh, Liz Taylor, Richard Burton. No, that was, that, that was perfect. It was like you, you, you two were drawing on, <laughs> on your own history. Weren't you? When you, when you were doing this. Yeah. One. Right. Well, uh, anyway, fascinating movie. Dante's pink, uh, Dante's peak. Uh, that was a good place to set that up. 1997 again, PG 13. Uh, Roger Donaldson, uh, Pierce Brosnan, and Linda Hamilton. Uh, where else in the U.S. would you have a volcanic eruption than right there where you have Mount St. Helena, which right. has been doing its things more than once. So that would be a perfect area. The Postman, 1997. It seemed to be a really popular time. Uh, directed by Kevin Costner uh, with Kevin, of course, Will Patton. It's, it, it, that, that was a challenging one for some people. It's set in, in Boundary Dam and Medellin Falls, Washington. A man fakes being a, a postman in post-apocalyptic apocalyptic America to set free meals. This, this way he gets his free, free meals. But he soon realizes he is also bringing hope to the towns he visits. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So, so, so we're actually almost in a post-apocalyptic uh, area ourselves here, so... I'm not sure I'm really the biggest fan of those, but there you go. Uh, this one actually isn't set in there, but I love it anyway. It's Life or Something Like It. Have you ever seen that one? I have not. 2002, PG-13. Uh, again, this is uh, Stephen Herrick, Angelina Jolie, Ed Burns, and Tony Shalab. Tony Shalab is wonderful. He's, he, he plays this. He basically, um, when, when, when he sees Angelina Jolie, she, she's a newspaper reporter. Uh-huh. And he says, you're going to die within a week. Uh, which is not exactly the th- nice thing to say to someone, especially right. if you're considered a prophet. It's like, oh, thank you for that one. But it's it's really well, well a done. Great setup for a movie, though. It, it was a good setup for a movie. Uh, Disclosure, 1994. Uh, this one is definitely an R. A little bit over two hours. Uh, Barry Levinson uh, with, with M- Michael Douglas and Demi Moore and Donald Sutherland. And that was the case where... Uh, you had a, a guy who was being harassed by the woman who was kind of in charge. A little change of uh, pace for things. Mm-hmm. That was famed in Bainbridge Island, which is a fascinating area. A computer specialist is sued for sexual harassment by a former lover turned boss who initiated the act forcefully, which threatens both his career and his personal life. Interesting. Did you ever see that one? I haven't seen any of those. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, it's a good thing I'm covering these for you. Then. Oh, yeah. I just recently saw... Uh, a big chunk of uh, Cleopatra this week, while I was no. doing other things. But but the the, the one with with uh, Richard with, Burton and right, Liz yeah. Taylor again. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. I'll have to check out. Yeah, the, I like their uh, I like their chemistry on screen together. Oh, they had dynamite chemistry. No question about that. Uh, Fear. Nineteen ninety six. Uh, James Foley directed that with Mark Wahlberg. I love Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, William Peterson. 
filmed on Mercer Island, uh, Washington. So, yeah, Mark is a too-good-to-be-true guy with a dark side, darker side. Mm. He can do that sometimes right? very nicely. Yeah, I actually bicycled across Mercer Island a couple of times when I was up there. Uh, the Hand That Rocks the Cradle. There's a weird, creepy one. Now, that, that one I remember. Uh, okay, 1992. Yeah, I right? remember that one. Directed by Curtis Hansen with Rebecca Dean Mornay. It was very strange in it, and Annabella Sciarra. Uh, I was filmed in Seattle, and yeah, Rebecca does a really over-the-top performance. Okay, here's one. Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. Okay, you already know that's going to be David Lynch, obviously with Cheryl Lee, Ray Wise, uh, filmed in Everett, Washington. It's a continuation of his Twin Peaks TV series. Uh, it was a little bit more understandable than Eraserhead. Right. Is that, a, is that related to Dante's Peak, too? That's not David Lynch also, is it? Uh, no, no. That, that, was, that, was, uh, that was Roger Donaldson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, did this, uh, have you ever seen Eraserhead? I have not. That was, his, that was uh, Lynch's first uh, foray, and a lot of people are still very confused by it. I can imagine, yeah. Eddie keeps to, he keeps threatening to get me in here and watch a racer head with him. So it's probably oh. going to be we're gonna, okay. probably going to be watching a racer head pretty soon, right, Eddie? It's on the it's on the Criterion Collection. <laughs> that could be. So uh, sleepless in Seattle. Well, duh, right? Nineteen ninety three. Uh, Nora Ephraim, wonderful for her book. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, of course, were wonderful in that. Filmed at Pikes Peak, Seattle. Great seafood place. Oh, we, we've been there a couple of times. Uh, the seafood there is just, wow, it's, it's a huge fresh air market uh-huh. with seafood everywhere. Everywhere. That, that's, uh. Yeah, legendary. Legendary. Yeah, it, Even it the is. Kid, dust, kid from dusty old New Mexico's heard of that place. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Practical Magic. Uh, and that was 1998, PG-13. Uh, Griffin Dunn. With Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, and Stockard Channing, and Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman were great in that as as a couple of witch sisters raised by their eccentric aunts, including Stockard. And uh, it's 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 uh, that that they had the, the the basic thing was was a curse that they weren't ever going to find a true love. That if they 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 did, it would it would go bad for them. And so that's part of what you're. Hoping goes good for them. Right. And the last one, An Officer and a Gentleman, 1982. Uh, a little bit over two hours. Uh, Taylor Hackford with Richard Gere, one of his great great first roles, and Deborah Winger, David Keith. Uh, it's filmed at Fort Warden State Park in Port Townsend, uh, Washington. We actually did, uh, dined in Port, uh, Port Townsend once. Oh, lovely, yeah. Uh, it was a... A big wind came up and grabbed a hold of our umbrella. I actually grabbed it and almost did a Mary Poppins oh, no uh, before it came back down again with me. Oh, my uh, So I remember that very well. Anyway. And a, a classic uh, Navy Marine Corps movie for, for oh, veterans like abs- us. Absolutely. Yeah. A young man must complete his work at Naval Officers Candidate School to become an aviator with the help of a tuck gunnery sergeant and his new girlfriend. Yeah, the uh, gosh, what the the guy who, who plays that is was Lou, wonderful. Lou Gossett Jr. Lou Gossett Jr. Thank you. Yeah, he was awesome in that. One of the great Marine Corps drill instructors on screen. Oh boy, I, I would think so. So that's uh, the movies. So actually, we could actually take a look at the offset region. I guess we actually 
have pretty much covered it. But uh, even though we don't have a wine from there to, to uh, tempt you with, uh, there are a number of really good ones you can get. Uh, the, the one that we were hoping to get, we, we didn't, is uh, actually looks pretty impressive. Uh, it was uh, from Trimbach, uh, T-R-I-M-B-A-C-H. That is like one of the leading names for great wines, particularly the Riesling. So uh, Riesling area, we, we already pretty much told you we were just on the border with that. And uh, so we actually covered some of that. The, the two areas is broken. The north area is called the Bas Rin. Uh, that's west of Strasbourg. And the O-Rin, H-A-U-T, uh, so that's that means higher, is the south in the low slopes of the Vogue Mountains. Uh, that's where the best vineyards come from. So they have three wine classifications here, different obviously than the German and the ones we have in the U.S. So it's the Alsace AOC. 90% is white still wines. Uh, name Name uh, the name grape must be one hundred percent, not eighty five or seventy five. One hundred percent must be the name grape. White rosé and reds are permitted. Uh, rosé and red have to be one hundred percent Pinot Noir. So, and then you have Cremant d'Alsace. In fact, we we had one of these that we tried that was really excellent. Uh, so this is the only AOC that allows the local Chardonnay grape. Uh, most of the of the white fruit style is made with Pinot Blanc. Pinot Gris or Pinot Noir, and in lesser extent, uh, Auxerrois, uh, which is one of those nice, hard-to-pronounce ones, A-U-X-E-R-R-O-I-S, Auxerrois, right. uh, and Riesling. So, and then finally have the Alsace Grand Cru. Okay, this is, there is 51 Grand Cru plots that are only allowed to use a single variety or blend of four official grape varieties. Again, the, the Riesling, Pinot Gris, Muscat, and Gewürztraminer. If you look at the breakdown of the, of the grapes here, you'll notice that it's almost all white. Uh, other than Pinot Noir, so Riesling is about 22%. Pinot Blanc is a little bit over 21%. Gewürztraminer, a little bit under 20%. And Pinot Gris, about 50, a little bit over 15%. So those are the dominant grapes, obviously. Uh, that work for a, a lot of the wine production. And then there is a small amount of Sosalboner and Muscat, and, of course, about 10% is Pinot Noir. And these are highly praised. The, 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 that red is very highly praised. So the um, this particular wine that we didn't have here, but it's one you should check out if you can. It's uh, Turnback Riesling, 2015, 12.5% uh, ABV, and, again, only $20. Okay. I, w- I wanted to say this so I could include a quote from Jancis Robinson. Uh, her, her take on this particular wine suggests you best get some while you can. Um, so, again, this is quote, quoting from Jancis Robinson. Sorry, Riesling phobes. This week there's no escape from the world's greatest white wine grape and our enthusiasm for it. So she's basically telling you what she thinks. The Trimbacks are obsessed by Riesling. Almost half their production is Riesling. Uh, against a regional average of 22%. They produce the finest dry Riesling in the world, Clos-Saint-Un. And even the Trimbacks were amazed by the quality of their 2015 Riesling. Uh, Jean Trimbach calling the vintage unparalleled. It was as hot and dry as the famous heat wave vintage of 2003. The grape somehow hung on to record levels of acidity 
for such a warm year to notch up truly exceptional levels of both sugar and acid. They lost about 30% of the crop apparently, so their 2015 Rieslings are extra concentrated. Uh, the result is a wine of 13.95% alcohol. Wow, it's really up there. 2.4 grams per liter of residual sugar. That's almost imperceptible. Uh, total acidity is 7.8 grams. pH is 3.09. The quality of this wine, their basic Riesling, is all the more remarkable when one thinks that it's based on fruit brought in from their long-term suppliers. Many of them contract on the basis of a handshake going back four generations. Wow, that's Think about that. That's, that's the way to do business. Yeah. So most of the reasoning for this bottling at a remarkably friendly price for the quality comes from hillside sites in the higher, more southern Orin department. Uh, so anyway, uh, Anne Cribbe, uh Master of Wine, tasting notes. The faintest hint of zesty lemon appears on the nose. The dry palate is of a concentrated slenderness, showing intense notes of ripe lemon zest hinting at Richard notions of ripe pear and candied citron. There's a real impact guided by rapier-like freshness and utter precision. This has an almost cleansing quality, that is, but is nonetheless imbued with the fruit generosity of 2015. Lovely low, but sure to develop. Drink now through 2027. Excellent. Oh, boy, if we can get a bottle of that, I would love to have one. Boy, I had to mention that because that's like, boy, if it's out there, you should grab some. All right. I yeah. will. That's for sure. All right. Well, I hope you bring it into the Kiva here. We can smell it and taste it. If I get snag a couple of bottles, I'm keeping it to myself. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, that's all well, right. I might actually bring it in. No, I'll, that's I'll, incentive for me to go shopping a little bit myself. Yeah. One of my least favorite chores, but for that, I'd mm. make an exception. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that was, um, Wow. These were two really exceptionally good good wines. We've been in, enjoying sipping them, as you can probably tell. A real treat, for sure. Yeah, and and think about all the time what kind of great food you can have with this. Almost any Thai cuisine. Uh, this is one I would love to, to get over at um, uh, one of the local restaurants. Like um, It'll come to me in a, in a minute. Uh, but there, there's there's a couple of restaurants that we like around here that Thai Kitchen, Thai Kitchen, you know that one? I haven't. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, that would be a good one too. We were, we uh, dined there not that long ago. That was one that uh, Barbara had had uh, worked at, worked uh, as to, to sell, and uh, so yeah, that that's there. There's some really good. Uh, ones around here. The other one that we like is uh, Ichiban. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, over on the west side. Right. Uh, so this is actually about a mile from our house. Oh, and so So we, we get a lot of sushi from there. I mean, it's it's usually our Friday night thing. It's it's like, you know what, I'm a, I don't think I want to really cook tonight. What about you, dear? No, I don't want to cook either. Let's see, what should we do instead? How about Ichiban? Sushi and Riesling. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we'll get lots of sushi uh, lots, lots of monkey uh, ball rolls and uh, monkey balls. The monkey balls are addicted. That sounds like a great meal to me right now. It's like yeah. Friday's my sushi day too. Especially, I may actually do that tonight. Especially during it. Lent, right? Yeah. You know, my some people might be abstaining from from the riesling on Fridays, but you can still have your sushi. Well, yeah. Yeah, and, and this is 
classic uh, once and to go with, with uh, sushi. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of re- really good restaurants around here that are really coming out with some really good Japanese cuisine. Um, and of course, when we go to San Francisco, we really load up. Oh, boy. Which I guess we're going to go in in May and just swing by there. And Beautiful. When's the last time you were in San Francisco in the springtime? Uh, probably a couple of years, uh, about three, three years ago, not, uh, 2019. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, 2020 was not such a good year. We actually had, um, we have a timeshare there, so we were going to go there, and they said, no, you can't. Uh, so, but this was, year it's all we're all cleared, huh? Pre- pretty much, uh, yeah. So, so we're 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 gonna drive it out there. Lovely. Yeah, it's 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 just not as much fun flying no. as it used to be. No, and it's just gotten more unfortunate to to, to fly. So, hey, it, it takes a couple of days to get there. You know, we're we're not gonna rush to to get there. We're gonna take our time. Enjoy some of the great country along the way. Probably lots of nice wine places between here and there, too, to stop at. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, probably more at the destination <laughs> right. location. But, yeah, so we'll be doing a lot of that. And uh, so, oh, we still had more time. I can't believe it. Wow. We, we're just a little bit. You're just letting me do all the talking. That's the problem. Well, you know what uh, is? Uh, is there's something I've been wanting to say about this uh, this two mountain actually. If okay. I was if I was blindfolded, and I was just smelling this at first, you might you might call me crazy, but it smells like my my grandparents' Concord grapes. Just the smell alone. That was that was the first impression I got. Well, that's interesting because the the, the impression you had is is a olfactory memory. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which is really interesting because that's, uh, you know, our sense of smell, and and what things we associate is one of the most profound elements we have. Hmm. You can get a smell that you haven't uh, smelled in a long time, and all of a sudden it brings you right back to it. Yeah, and it's and and then if you tore my blindfold off and showed me a white reason, I I almost wouldn't believe it. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's like that was the I I remember my the smell of my grandparents' grapes, my Concord grapes, smelling this two mountain, and it's. It's delivering. It's delivering. It's it's even ah. fuller now than about an hour ago when I first smelled it. Well, these are just so tasty. Both of them are, are, are really the kind of wines you just want to keep drinking and drinking. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the, um, when I was talking about, about since, uh, oh, I guess about eight years ago, we were in San Diego and I wanted to check out the, uh, the, um, carrier that was there the midway the midway oh which, the midway yeah that was one of the sister ships uh when i was on online back in this in the mid 60s right. and uh so anyway so i go right up on on the the aft brow and i uh, smelling the smells of the paint and the oils it brought me right back there it, sure it just cool. jumped i went right back to the 60s and the diesel the, yep. the smell of burning diesel takes yeah, me back it, it is like just, it, it's, it's amazing. It just, it, it was just like, wow, that was so ev- evocative of that time. And that was actually good because it was a good memory. So I enjoyed my four years in the Navy. I have to say it was a pretty special time. I had a lot of great mates uh, that support me. Uh, and we had a lot of great times. We had some wild times, uh, sure. but that, that, it was, it was great four years. So Come on, Jim, you've never had a wild time in your life. 
<laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, another good addition here. The Spirits of New Mexico wrapping it up with memories and a little meritage this week. The uh, Riesling, it's a good Riesling to be here. What did you say, Eric? It was uh, what? Riesling to live. Riesling to live. Mm. There we go. Mm -hmm. That's a good name for the show uh, this week. With some uh, leader on the way out. That's right. Some German romantic classical music uh, here in the Kiva as we go out. We appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Boy, the music of Mendelssohn, Felix uh, Mendelssohn. And uh, let's not forget, you got Richard Strauss, uh, my favorite, Johannes Brahms. Number Symphony Number no. 4, you want a good one? Uh, symphony Number no. 4, hang out in there uh, all day. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Got Chopin, uh, Schumann. Who else do you got? Wa Wagner. What, what, was I, what was I even thinking? Oh, then uh, uh, the other one that I like a lot. Not many people know him, but uh, Schubert's Eighth Symphony, The Unfinished. The Unfinished Symphony, by the way, is uh, something on the movie Minority Report. I don't know oh, if yeah. anybody knows any of that. Yeah. Uh, what he plays when he starts, you know, moving all the balls, and you know, he's he's put, puts on the gloves, and it's twenty fifty four, and yeah, that's the Unfinished Symphony. So anyway, yeah. Well, the, the great C major symphony is also phenomenal. I love that. Yeah, good stuff. All right, gentlemen. Adieu. Adieu. Uh, yeah, I'll see you all next week. We'll I'll stay tuned for... Uh, <laughs> true German. There we are. Uh, I'm German, by the way. My grandparents are. All the Germans from northern Mexico. Part of me. Austin. Mm. See you tomorrow, folks. Actually, we'll see you on Monday, 4 p.m. Here in the Kiva.